Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me as always from across the pond is Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how is it going? It's going very well, John. Uh, circumstances mean that we're recording this a few days early, but it's it's the weekend, so I've been able to crack open a non-alcoholic beer in celebration of the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, and also for John Burke, just a celebration of John Burke doesn't doesn't even need to be a reason, but let's all celebrate John Burke by toasting with your favourite drink, non-alcoholic, whatever you want it to be. How are you doing, my friend? Are you keeping Florida safe and well? Oh yeah, you know, just uh, trying to stay cool because it's a little hot um, out here in Florida. But uh, had an early um, we we went to I guess brunch this morning. Uh, we didn't. We've never really done brunch, so it was kind of like shocking. Mm. I think we offended the people because we didn't get the alcohol options. <laughs> they had like five dollar mimosas and like um, seven dollar bloody marys, but we were, I'm we were there like, for the food. We were there for the food, um, and we don't really. We I'm pretty sure we've never gone to a place that had brunch. Um, we did get breakfast foods, but we just got. I'm really disappointed because there was a lot of stuff, and I ended up like I really wanted a bagel because yeah. I love bagels, and like the option with the bagel, like you could get your toast upgraded to a bagel for like 50 cents. So I got like an omelet, which was really good. And I'm not disappointed with what I ordered, but like they had like cool, like weird stuff that would have been way more fun. Like they had a Belgian waffle, like sandwich with like roast pork and egg and like that. Right. I should have done something like that where I've never had that before. And I love trying stuff. And instead I got like a Western omelet with like potatoes and a bagel, but I really wanted a bagel. So I don't regret my decision in the sense that it was good and I got a bagel, but I really wish I'd tried more of the weird, like, cause it's kind of like a hipster vibe place. Mm-hmm. I wish yeah, I yeah. tried some of that stuff. Cause they had like the avocado toast. I saw come out like on several people ordered and it looked <laughs> outstanding. Um, and then again, that Belgium waffle sandwich thing I just described looked really That's good. I saw that come amazing. out. It's brunch a thing in the States. Then. It's been over here. It's been a thing for many, many years. I don't know how many, but it's, count, it's a big, it's a big deal here. From my experience, it's in big cities for a long time. In smaller cities like this, it's either been – it might be more of a me thing because brunch is often really busy or a little fancy, Mm -hmm. and neither of those things appeal to me. Like, I don't like going to busy places. Um, And also, I'm a pretty scheduled eater. Like, I like to eat when I get up, breakfast, and then, you know, at some point, lunch, and then some point, dinner. Uh, so brunch is like a weird in between where like either you don't eat breakfast or you sleep in, which has not been a thing I've done for a long time. <laughs> we had a kid or, you know, for a, she's 18 now. So like now we're Kathy and I just go do whatever we want. We don't have to like either wake her up or like worry about like, you don't want to, I wouldn't have brought a baby to brunch because it feels more of like, I don't know, like the atmosphere, the depiction of brunch from movies and TV have always been more of like a husband, wife or boyfriend, girlfriend like romantic type vibe for some reason. Like I, I'm m- mostly thinking of how I met your mother right now, but yes. there, Lily and Marshall was, there was a whole brunch thing. And when Lily broke up with Marshall, there was this whole thing where he couldn't go to brunch because he didn't have a, a girlfriend kind of thing. Like it was not cool to just go with like your, your bros. Um, so I don't know uh, in my head media. I don't know, but I, I've not really ever been to a brunch place um, or at least again that I can think of. So uh, I, I wish I'd done it better. I, I think I very happy with the food again, not a criticism of the food. My wife and I had a good time. I just wish I had like not gone with the, uh, 
familiar option and tried one of the more unique things, which is something I normally do at restaurants, which is what I'm like, why I think I feel so disappointed is like, I, I'm usually one who explores the menu and I got like the most basic thing I could have got. So sometimes though, basic is better. You know, you're not going to lie. We're talking about food. I liked when I go to any restaurant, whether it's lunch, brunch, breakfast, dinner, to be honest, I don't really do brunch either. In fact, I'm not really sure. I think I maybe have done it once or twice in terms of like an actual going out for brunch, as opposed to being fat and having a bacon sandwich at 11 o'clock in the morning type thing. Um, and then having lunch, but yeah, I'm, I always like trying new stuff, but I also get a little bit scared sometimes. What have, what have I ordered that, that, uh, Belgian waffle, for example, or that different curry or something. And what if I don't like it? Then, oh crap, I've got to eat it now. And mm. so sometimes I go with the old tried and trusted, but, um, Hey, look, when I come stateside, I will be trying everything that sounds remotely wild to me, like Belgian waffles with roast pork and eggs in it. I've never heard of that. I'd imagine the people in Belgium haven't heard of that either, but much <laughs> as I like their beer and their waffles sticking pork and egg in most things. It's only going to enhance it. Surely. Yeah. I mean, it, the sandwich looked really good when I saw people coming out with it. Um, uh, but yeah, nice little place. And then um, we went, uh, there was a coffee shop because we, we don't venture out to this, the downtown area of our adjacent city very often, but that's where mm-hmm. this restaurant was. And then um, there's a coffee shop that I knew about. I've had their coffee through a friend, like because they, they sell like the beans and stuff. And I've had coffee through that friend, um, but I had not been to the shop. I actually didn't even know exactly where it was until this morning. And I was like, oh, well, I want to get a coffee from there. So I had brunch, but I didn't get coffee at brunch. I then went across the street and got coffee from the coffee shop and found out that it was my coworker and friend, uh, coworker's husband, who is the husband is also a friend of ours. Um, who I had not seen in a few years, uh, is his shop. And I had no idea that he had, sorry, like I knew he brewed his own beans. I've had his coffee before, but I didn't know he was at this location until I was there. Like, and I already ordered my drink and it was coming up. And then he like walked around the counter. I was like, Hey, he's like, Oh, Hey, I'm like, I didn't know you were here. He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, that's a, that's a surprise, but I've, I've, I've had your coffee a bunch and I love it. It's, it's one of my favorite brews and it's like the same price as going to Starbucks, but it's much better and it's locally, uh, um, you know, roasted beans and stuff like it's really, really good. But I know what. No, I hear that. I We've got an independent one round here, which I I go to before work now, rather than the Starbucks or any of the other ones. Uh, and damn, is it good? Yeah, I, yeah. and I went in there just on on the whim, and I only go in there now. And it isn't even because it's independent. And as much as I want to support independent anything, you know, creators, stores, whatever. Um, but this is genuinely really nice so i'm more than happy mm-hmm. to support the independent yes. coffee in this in this way but hey look starbucks is good for what it does but yeah, yeah. go independent dude yeah especially again like you said if it's if it's actually really good and I, I i would put their coffee up against uh honestly i think starbucks coffee is terrible i like their no, espresso yeah and i like their cold brew i'm not gonna like I, in fact i've yet to find a cold brew i don't enjoy um cold brew is my, my current food, yeah yeah, this is my current uh, coffee of choice. Um, but yeah, uh, nevertheless, we're not here to talk about restaurants and coffee, but that's what my day's been so far because it's a weird <laughs> uh, Saturday. Um, but we're here to talk about the new film Bullet Train, uh, directed by David Leach, uh, written by Zach Olawicz. I'm guessing that's how you say that. Um, seems that. right. It seems in the ballpark. Uh, stars some big names and some lesser known names, but familiar faces. Brad Pitt, Joey King, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Brian Tyree Henry, um, 
Andrew Koji, Hiroyuki Sonata, Bad Bunny, that's the most famous of all the names, and Logan Lerman. Um, there's a few other people that we're leaving off this list, but we'll talk about in spoilers, because I feel like the original trailers kept certain things secret. Yes. Um, and some of the newer trailers have revealed a few of these cameos, but I don't want to risk anything. Um, even though, again, if you look at IMDb, like, spoiler heavy with the with who's in this movie. Um, uh, the synopsis from IMDb, five assassins aboard a fast-moving bullet train find out their missions have something in common, which is also something that's not in the trailers, at least not the original trailers. Um, this movie's not very, doing great, critically. Very lax synopsis, by the way, isn't it? It's a really, it is. It's most the least spoilery one you could give, yeah. 54% Rotten Tomato score uh, critics, but not 79 audience, 49 Metascore, 7.5 IMD user score, 3.6 uh, letterbox. I could not find a cinema score, um, but there was one for Easter Sunday, which also came out this weekend. So I don't know Jeez. if people just weren't being asked about Bullet Train. Um, it sounds like Bullet Train's not doing very well so far in the box office. There's already like reports of it like not doing great in the, the box office. Not uncommon for August, to be honest. Um, no. Also... I think the marketing for this movie is bad uh, by comparison to the film. Uh, I yeah, I, I'll go along with that. I mean, it's, the trailers have been the trailers have been okay, but from a UK point of view, and as much as I'd want to speak for the country, I can't. But other than in front of films in cinema uh, in screen, I haven't really seen any marketing for this film whatsoever. Uh, so I haven't really seen much of a push, which is, and that's just me. Yeah, yeah, I've seen like pop-ups online and on movie websites, but I haven't really seen them. They're really trying to push this. And again, August, this August, especially, it's not, you know, it's not dripping with huge blockbuster films. They're, you know, this is a time when you can maybe take advantage of the lull yeah. in output well, and maybe make a few extra pack of dollars. I think we could expand that to saying this summer in general, this has been a, one of the thinnest summers outside of the two years where theaters were not fully open. Like this has been a full year where we've been back to normal, especially here in Florida, but there's still different parts of the world who are still being on lockdown and taking more precautions. But for the most part, theaters have been full on open for the last year. And this has been a super thin summer, which either means this might be the, the, the look going forward that we won't have quite as packed theaters, um, theater releases, maybe because of streaming or next huh. summer is going to be flooded we're, as we get more and more films starting to be made and released again. Um, either way, this summer has been one of the thinnest, and uh, I don't I don't feel like this movie got enough hype. So I got to see Bullet Train at a uh, like an open public screening on IMAX. Uh, not sure why they put it on the IMAX screen because nothing about this film seemed to have been made for IMAX. Mm -hmm, um, yeah. But I don't. I won't. I never hesitate to go to this particular IMAX theater. Uh, it's one of the lar It's the largest in our state. Um, it's I think the only real IMAX theater in our state as well, where it's not the the Fomax as they call it. Um, but uh, I got to see this with a lot of the critics from the CACF, and from what I gathered, most of us had a great time with this movie. Um, I really enjoyed this film. Uh, David Leach uh, has worked for me in almost every regard. I like Deadpool too. Um, mm -hmm. he's, he's the uncredited director for John Wick. So he starts that franchise up. Um, yeah. I liked, uh, Atomic Blonde a lot, um, which this movie tonally is more aligned with Deadpool two than John Wick or Atomic Blonde for sure. Uh, but I liked the comedic sensibilities. Um, I actually really liked the story that this movie ends up 
piecing together something that I think is missing in the trailers. I don't think it's really clear exactly what we should expect in the trailer. Um, this movie has a little bit of commentary about itself that there's a, a line that's like a throwaway line where movies have to have a meaning or have to have a point and this movie does um i think it's an interesting very simple point i think it's a little satirical a little meta kind of mocking of that that line in the movie um but i i thought the performances were great uh, specifically aaron taylor johnson has been a up and down for me like he sometimes i like him and other times like, his characters are bland or kind of generic i thought he was great in this movie um but brian tyree henry needs to be a lead in a film at this point. I think we've seen him get these side character roles and he crushes it every single time. And I thought he was so great in this film. Um, but their chemistry was unexpected to me, especially again in the trailer. I didn't really understand their dynamic and the couple of clips where you saw them actually together in the trailer. I, I don't think sold the interactions we were going to get between those mm. two guys. And I thought they were great. Um, I'm excited to have seen a Joey King movie where I both liked her performance and like the movie that she was in. It's been a while. <laughs> what um, the hell? You know, uh, bad bunny. Um, he's, we're expecting him to get like a, a film push because this was his first movie, but Sony has signed him on to do a Spider-Man villain. I forget the name of the mill. It's a luchador villain, um, that he's supposed to be doing, even though again, bad bunny is Puerto Rican and he will now have been twice cast to play a Mexican role. Uh, which is, you know, I whatever. I'm not trying to, to be the one served. But there was some pushback because of that. But I thought his scenes were solid here. Um, and I am a Brad Pitt fan. I've been a Brad Pitt fan for a long time. I think he's having a blast in this movie. And I loved every second of it. I was vibing with his whole character, his whole kind of, I have bad luck. I'm trying to turn it around. I don't really like what I'm doing, but I'm kind of stuck here. This kind of... It's like Big Lebowski. If 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 Big Lebowski was an assassin, is kind of the vibe that he's given off. I was there for it, man. I had a blast with this film. I, it's exactly what I wanted it to be. It's high paced. Uh, a lot of there was a lot more comedy than I really was expecting going into this. And I thought the action scenes were cool. Like it, it's it's not as action packed as I thought it was going to be. At least the first half isn't. Um, but once it gets going, I thought those scenes were really cool. Uh, there's a lot of violence. There's a lot of cursing. Um, I thought the use of flashbacks was really a good, interesting story dynamic and added kind of a family guy esque humor style where like, you know, we could cut to the, the joke. Um, not something I always think is necessary, but I thought it, he made good use of that here. And there's some really cool visual scenes that it, it clearly computer generated, but they're still like, I thought they were well done. I enjoyed them. So I'm not, I'm clearly on the, the positive side of this movie. It did everything I was expecting it to be. And that's all I wanted from it. I, I wanted to sit there, have a really good time. I wanted to laugh. I wanted to be at least engrossed in the story. And uh, it, it gave me what I was looking for. So I enjoyed it a lot. What about you? Um, yeah, I saw this uh, about a, a few days ago now. I was, this is one I was looking forward to because whilst I hadn't really seen any marketing outside of the theater for this film, um, I agree that the you know there was there, there was no real hype train, excuse the uh, pun, but there wasn't really any hype train built for this film. However, the trailers that I did see were enough to make me think this could be quite good, or it could be an absolute. <laughs> here we go, train wreck. I will try not to make uh, intentional puns too much, but um, but like you, I really really like Brad Pitt in most things. I I, I think he's a great actor. Uh, he was one of those ones I put in the 
needs to win an Oscar for, for the greater audience to realise how decent he is. And he's got that now. So he can, so now he can go back to playing in these kind of fun films where he can let his hair down and have a great time. And like you, I think he's having the time of his life in this film. And his kind of dry, odd comedic timing and sensibilities work really well against offset against his obvious movie star charisma and persona. Brad Pitt really, really is the conductor of this film. And I think without him, I'm not sure, you know, whether it would have been as strong as it was because I had a good time with this film like you, John. I think it's, a, you know, this film's two hours long. It felt like it's about two and a half hours. That's something I will mm. say that I don't know if it's because of the constant flashbacks or there was a lull towards the third act or if I was just getting desensitized because there was a lot of, it, you, it, you know, it, it, there was a lot of action, which you expect, but there's also a lot of that kind of dry comedy which you get from your Deadpool films and feel, and a lot of people have said this is a Tarantino slash Rodriguez meets um, Guy Ritchie type film and I get that and but uh, towards the end I you know I was starting to get beaten down by it a bit but I did enjoy it though my friend that is that is a criticism just to say I think it was a bit too long and they stretch it out but I enjoyed it I'm, I'm you know the way the backstory that they gave to certain characters in this film and the kind of the the destination that this film was aiming to get to wasn't necessarily what I thought. Having seen the trailers, uh, I didn't realise they were going to go for this kind of big f- family fueled event type ending. Um, but I liked it. I think I think this was based on a book from about ten or twelve years ago, which I haven't read. And, yeah, um, I didn't know anything about the book, but yeah, it is uh, apparently. I think the book is apparently a bit more hard boiled. It's a bit tougher than this, but do you know, I actually think this works much better with that uh, kind of the confidence that it exudes from its comedy and from its goofballness. Cause it's a goofy film as well. Uh, you know, I think if you don't do that, if you don't inject the comedy, this is just another John wick, another atomic blonde, another nobody type film where you get the badass action. And maybe every now and then you get a quip, I'm get, you know, they, they, you're getting so many of those now. You're gun powder, powder milkshakes as well. Whereas this film, whilst it might not have been revolutionary, I it, it, it played it right for me. You know that the um, the comedy that came from Pitt, that came from uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson and Brian Tyree Henry, especially was spot mm-hmm. on. It's bang on the money. And those two, the latter as Tangerine and Lemon, were excellent. Now, I'm I'm totally with you on taylor johnson i'm not always sold on him or when i see his name in the credits i don't run a mile but i'm never kind of thinking oh great you know, this, this will lure me in but he's the uh, their double act is superb you know their chemistry is great brian tyree henry has a very convincing kind of east end british uh accent even more so maybe than aaron taylor johnson who is actually british he's not a million he was not born a million miles away from london but yeah, they, they, they were great. I really enjoyed them. Um, when I was watching it, I kind of thought Aaron Taylor Johnson is a, um, was it Begbie, like a mini Begbie from Trainspot, and that's how he c- uh, came across to me. Uh, but that's not a bad thing. Uh, I like that character, even though he's an absolute you know, psycho. I want to throw out there too, I, I left Zazie Beats off the cast list. Um, she's listed like fifth on Letterboxd. I, she's not in the movie a lot. I love Sazzy. Like Sazzy's one of my favorite actresses at this point. But I, I'm like, she's. It, it feels like that shouldn't be so high on the cast list. Not she's not in the movie much, but that's part of the reason why I feel like she shouldn't be like 
you, you should almost wait to see it, but I'm not going to name anyone else, but that like, no, there's no. two other names on the cast list that I'm like, that shouldn't be that visible the way it's played in the film. Like the, the film doesn't want you to know these people are in the movie until you know, like yeah, it's, no, it, it's, it's part of the plot almost like for sure. One element, like even on the posters, cause like Zazie is on the posters to be fair. So like, I, that's why I'm throwing her name out there. Like she's clearly like right there in the poster. Um, but even that kind of feels like a spoiler. And I, I think the story wants those reveals. Like, I think it's rewarding for those reveals. Like there's one we'll talk about in spoilers where I was like, I didn't actually recognize who it was for a minute. And I was like, Oh <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah. Like really cool. So Ooh, um, the cameos were cool. I agree. I, I'm gonna. I'm not. I'm not going to mention any of them. But on. I mean. I mean. To be fair, actually, a couple of them, or certainly one of them, the trailer really pushed, and actually, the the bullet train social media really pushed one character who isn't shown in the film until much later on. Where, where I would have actually preferred to have not seen said person in the marketing. But Karen Fukuhara is in this. She's in the trailer. And she's mm-hmm. criminally underused. I love Karen Fugger. Yeah. She's great. But at the same time, you know, her character did what her character needed to do. Um, but I've loved, I would just like to have seen more of her. But no, I did like this, John. I think the action was good. Um, I did think it got, it did start to wear on me slightly towards the end. But that isn't to say that I didn't like it. I still thought it was impressive. I think the performances are good. Joey King's, she's been watching so much Harry Potter and it shows with, with that accent. However, I'm not going to say that she was bad. I, I, I enjoyed watching Joey King there. I've said it, John, we've both enjoyed watching Joey King free from the shackles of Netflix, crappy comedies. Um, yeah, no, I liked the, the way they try to incorporate these different twists and how they try to make everything connect up towards the end. I quite enjoyed that, but yeah, I had a good time with this, John. I thought it was a very decent a- action film. It's one of the more enjoyable ones I've seen in recent, within within the last year, certainly this year. And I was never bored during it. I might have thought it was a tad too long, but I was never bored. I had a good time, my friend. And actually, I had to I had to get like drive like a bullet train to get here because I thought my screen screening was half past eight in the evening. I thought it was nine p.m. So there there was me at twenty eight eight twenty three. I think, what's going on? Well, I'm sure I've got to do something. So I checked the ticket on my phone. I was like, oh my God, I've got seven minutes to do like a 26 minute journey. Oh and man. I managed to get there because also, also, cause I've just got up and ran, uh, um, to my car, I had, you know, I've got to go to the toilet. So I had to go run to the toilet. Not thankfully number one. And I was like, well, well, I'm here now. I've got to get popcorn. I have to. And just as I was coming in the doors to the cinema, the screening, uh, I could see the, uh, the distributor car, the studio titles, being shown so i literally managed to get there somehow nice. i got there at nine o'clock and thank god for, i usually moan there's too many trailers and adverts and movies but this time it saved me and if you if you're in my position you've got to make sure you get there for the start because the film doesn't open with you know brad pitt sitting on the train and stuff happens in fact you know the film opens with you know the the main actual the heart of the film and if you don't see that then you are going to be a little bit more confused a bit down the line, or you're going to miss out on a few things, which thankfully I didn't. But John, I thought this was a, a very solid, very decent action film, action comedy. Yeah, I, I really liked it. I'm, I, I understand a lot of comedies don't get a lot of love from critics. So that's probably why we're looking at a 54. Uh, the, if the humor doesn't work for you higher than that, it should be higher than that. And well, and there's the nihilism, uh, kind of argument where like anytime you, you have an extremely violent film tied with comedy, there is a kind of 
darkness to it that maybe like yeah. doesn't sit well for everybody. Um, and nor- sometimes it doesn't, but I, I didn't feel like the violence was totally played for a joke or almost the whole thing feels so satirical about it that I didn't, it didn't bother me, but that could also just be too many years of watching violent movies. And, <laughs> it, you know, me, what do you it, think about the, oh, sorry, John, just, no, uh, just no. before I forget about it, I've, I've heard a lot of people calling this film like smug, you know, it's very self-confident. It's very smug with the jokes and the way it plays off, plays its action. Did you, I, I mean, I didn't really feel that, but did you no. get the idea that it's a smug film? No. And like smug implies that it's like, it's better than the audience. And I definitely yeah. don't feel that at all. Like I, I, I can't imagine feeling like this movie thinks it's better than us. I, if anything, it's, it's almost like, Hey, we're here for a good time. That's it. We're not trying to be serious. We're not even going to really like, I don't feel like the movie makes any specific like commentary about the world that we're in or anything like that. Um, so yeah, no, I, I don't get that. Do, do, do I think the movie's like, happy with itself yes i do think that i think the movie was having a great time and if you've watched or if you've seen any like the footage of brad pitt doing interviews for this movie he <laughs> seems to be having a great time agreed that's the vibe that i got from this movie was like this movie everyone seemed to be having fun and on, that seems to be their their press tour like they all seem to be really happy to be together and and that's kind of refreshing to me to see people who enjoyed the process like um, in fact, uh, David Leach's wife, I think, is one of his producers, and yeah. she's just been like her Instagram right now is just like flooded with like proud moments of of his like the good comments that he's getting, and I've enjoyed that. Like to me, everything about this movie, other than the violence, is kind of like a positive vibe movie. And yes, I I I like that. Like I don't know. I, again, it's weird to put it with violence, right? Like that's a weird tone to take away from a very violent movie, <laughs> but. The main character uh, could be argued it's not Brad Pitt, but let's say it's it's clearly Brad Pitt in the marketing. Like he's the one that we're supposed to hang our our interest in. He is trying to change his life and <laughs> trying to get away from the violence. It just keeps kind of finding him. And um, if if you approach it from that way, you know it's like it's not advocating violence, but violence sometimes is a, around. It's you know you can't always escape it. Um, yeah, no. So, I I love how his some some again without spoilers, his reaction yeah. sometimes to having to actually indulge in violence is simply to just oh, almost just sigh like come mm-hmm. on. <laughs> he really is, and again, I, you know, the film may have worked with somebody else in the lead, but you know, it is firstly it's Brad Pitt. He's a movie star. He's a film star. He's great in the action scenes. He's great with the comedy, uh, and it's, he's just got that natural charisma which really pushes this film along. But I think the supporting cast do more than just help support the film. They elevate it as well. Your uh, Taylor Johnson's Tyree Henry, um, try not to spoil anyone. Uh, Joey King as well. Um, Hiroyuki Sanada. You know, I think everyone who, you know, shows up for more than 30 seconds does a really good job in this film. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I understand if comedy subjective is anything like as much as I think horror and comedy are the two that really, really land specifically for people and or don't yes. and this humor works for me as you know it, it's the dead it's not the break the fourth wall deadpool but it is kind of that dark you know violence can be funny humor which seems to work for me so i enjoyed bullet train a lot yep same here it gets a thumbs up from me if you can go and see it go and see it but uh, it, 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 you must like i would say you don't expect too much from the film in terms of peeling back the layers but just go in 
with yeah. a view to having a good time. And I'm I'm quite confident most people will do, regardless of a Rotten Tomato score. And I, I thought the story, the, the twists and turns that it takes it were interesting. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, have fun with it. Um, that's our review of Bullet Train in theaters now. Let's move on to our next segment of Chuffed Headlines, mm-hmm. a movie or pop culture news that caught our attention. We're on a theme this week. Uh, Matt, what was the headline that caught your attention? There wasn't really much else to talk about this week, I don't think. Yeah. But um, again, we're recording this a little bit earlier than we usually do so if anything changes in regards to these stories then that's why we haven't covered it but my report my headline is simply batgirl batgirl film axed by warner brothers won't be released on any platform wow i'm taking this from variety is by adam b very and i think unless you're unless you're not on social media or you really don't care about yeah. film news i think you've probably heard about the news of Warner Brothers and HBO Max and Warner Brothers Discovery pivoting the company's priorities now, which I'm slightly torn on, which I'm sure we'll cover shortly. But in terms of the actual Batgirl headline, the film, as far as we know, was as good as done as it nearly could have been. We're getting production stills and stuff coming out now to show that it was as good as ready to go. It's a $90 million film. It's not small change. And then uh, along comes the the new head of, I'm guessing it's the new head of DC, whose name has completely uh, slipped my mind. Something Z- Zaslav uh, comes along and says, "Yeah, no, we're not we're not doing that, Batgirl. We're binning that. We don't want it. Release it." And we're hearing differing reasons why. Some are saying they are they're doing it for a tax write down. So they could actually apparently make some kind of profit on it by writing it off. But by doing that, they're also consigning this literally to purgatory because it could never be released on a, on a platform which makes any profit. You could release it. You could, you could play it on a, uh, on a a film festival or like a DC fandom type thing for, for a free showing, you know, but if they're going to, if they've canned it, David Zaslav clearly thinks this film isn't worth releasing. And that's the other thing we're hearing is that test screenings were apparently uh, so bad that the film was called Irredeemable. This is all conjecture, of course. And that that's the reason why the film's been canned. And none of this has come from um, the performances in the film. That's something that they've been, uh, that came out today. In fact, that Leslie Grace as Barbara Gordon is nothing to do with her work or the works of um, Adil Alabi or Bilal Fala, who are the filmmakers behind this. But, you know, Scoob and the new Scooby-Doo film, Scoob, has also been shelved along with quite a few other projects as well, which I think is going to be kind of covered in yours. But, yeah, I just thought this was really, really, really odd because you've got a film, John, that cost $90 million. You surely you could recoup some of that at the box office or you would just release it on HBO Max or give it a Blu-ray release or something to get it out there. Instead, there's a high chance they're going to write this off and it may never see the light of day, John. I think yeah. this is, along with what you're going to talk about, which I'll let you cover, I think this is absolutely mad. I think it's bonkers. I think it's a. I don't really see the um, logic in this. Now, prioritizing theatrical, now that is where I'm split on it. However, I don't think that just killing off two films whilst they're ready to go 
is the way to do it, regardless of what apparent test screenings were. And look, Batgirl wasn't a film where I was sitting there thinking, God, you know what, John? I cannot wait to see Batgirl. But that's not for any reason other than, you know, I'm just not invested necessarily in the character, but give me the film and maybe I will be. Like Guardians of the Galaxy did for people. The DC uh, films have not been exactly the ones that we are drawn to either. So that's, that did have some understandable hesitation, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy to see that if they do the tax write off thing, supposedly they can never release it in a way where they can make money. So any kind of, right. like, so like it really would, it would increase the likelihood that it'll never see the light of day if they do the tax write off thing. Um, I'm I'm not going to spend a lot of time on. I think you covered that very very well. Obviously, I am. I would have loved to seen it. The still that they released with Michael Keaton in the Bat costume is makes it all the more I w- I would have liked to have seen it. And I have always enjoyed Batgirl as a character, uh, especially at Babs specifically. So I would have liked to have seen her finally get a live action modern uh, version. Um, not sure if it would have been good. Again, that's a of shot course. at DC, not at these filmmakers, not at the actress, just because. Warner Brothers DC properties have not been consistent at, at the very least, no. right? I mean, it could um, have been the worst film of all time. Who who, who knows? But yeah. at least give people the chance to make their mind up on that. Yeah, and like what do you have to lose at this point? Like people would have just asked for a Snyder cut of it. You know, like that's what we do with the DC properties. Of um, course. My article is actually even more generic than that. It's just to bring up the bigger issue. So Discovery... AT&T bought Warner Brothers. They quickly realized that it was way too much of a hassle and they got rid of it and sold it to Discovery. Uh, Discovery has their streaming service, Discovery Plus, and then uh, Warner Brothers has HBO Max. These two services are going to merge. Everyone expected Discovery to fold into HBO Max because most people haven't bothered to try Discovery Plus, from mm-hmm. my understanding, where a lot of people have moved over to HBO Max. HBO Max is arguably the current best streaming service for what you get to the cost because the quality of movies and the quality of shows that are on HBO max have been top notch. The original content for HBO max has been consistently some of the best stuff being put out. And they have two properties that aren't originally Warner brothers properties that people like myself love. There is the studio Ghibli films are on HBO max and the TCM films, which have tons of Criterion movies that you can't get outside of the Criterion collection um, on HBO Max, streaming with the the one flat rate. So everyone was a little surprised, I think, to hear that it was going to go the other way, that HBO Max is actually supposed to fold into Discovery Plus. Um, all of the HBO Max original content seems to be on, on this weird freeze right now where we're not sure if it's going to end up on the HBO like proper, like the original cable channel. Um, if that'll end up on the streaming service, if they're just trying to separate the max terminology, we don't know for sure exactly what this change is going to look like. Not mentioned in the article that I've linked here, but I saw many, many people talking about this is the, the phone call where uh, I, or whatever this, this meeting, cause it was like public. Um, the, where earnings dis- call? the earnings call. discovery was breaking down HBO max compared to discovery plus, And basically summed it up as like HBO max is for boys. And yeah. Discovery Plus is for girls. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, just the the insight into how dumb corporations <laughs> can be about the audience that they have and about the world that they're living in. The separation of like this, they're living in this tower, unaware of the world below them. And it is 
never been more clear than this call. Uh, one, to say that men like scripted content and the implication that maybe they are just smarter and thus can get it better. Um, mm-hmm. And Discovery Plus, uh, Discovery Plus being focused on unscripted content, hence reality TV is what that means, folks. It doesn't mean necessarily uh-huh. truth. Um, that women are more in, inclined for that. And whether or not that is true, uh, the fact that that was like a public call with a slide breaking it down as this way is is scary it's 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 and again with the cancellation of Batgirl and it it just it's very insightful to the world that we are we're probably falling into with this particular streaming service which is super disappointing because I have loved having HBO Max I got it I think day one I've watched several of their original series I've missed several that I've heard are great as well but um just the access to the films and i've liked a lot of the warner brothers stuff um obviously i love the batman i uh, am one of the people that loved matrix uh, resurrections from last year um we got judas and the black messiah right away and we you know we got godzilla versus kong which was i liked that one so Uh, i think i quite enjoyed i think compared to kings king of monsters we both enjoyed it more um I didn't really like the Mortal Kombat movie, but still we got it right away. Like there's been some cool stuff on HBO max that was also theatrical um, or could have been theatrical if theaters were open or like in the full opening, but you know, um, and obviously we had the Dune controversy uh, that we got Dune on HBO max and in theaters at the same time. It was a big, you know, deal. I think it's the reason why Nolan's next movie is coming out through universal and not Warner brothers. Absolutely. Um, And, the first, I believe, Nolan's first film since he's been Christopher Nolan, since he's been a known director to not be through Warner Brothers. Um, but yeah, this doesn't bode well. Uh, the decision making that we're seeing is is alarming. It, it's not um, it's not what we want to see. And uh, the hope, their hope, is to get one hundred and twenty thousand. That's not right. One hundred twenty million subscribers by like twenty twenty five or something like that. I think the uh, the new app, the merging of the two apps, is supposed to not happen until next year. So it's yes. not like an immediate thing, but um, it's big news. And and I'm curious because we've seen a lot of public outrage at studios recently uh enact major changes like i think star wars being the first of many where like last jedi's reaction had completely altered the final movie of the trilogy um i'm curious to see is discovery going to continue what appears to be not paying attention to their user base and just ignore all of the the backlash that they're getting for this or are they gonna um are we gonna get some major change will Batgirl end up coming out was or is this uh, there is a third option is this some kind of weird marketing ploy? Can you imagine? Can well, you like, imagine yeah. if they said this was, we're only kidding? Well, even if they don't reveal that it was that, you know what I'm saying? Like they just did this to get the hype up so that they release Batgirl and maybe the expectations are less than because, you know, well, we warned you, but we're going to release it because you oh. want it so bad. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a no, lot I of, know exactly what you mean, yeah. Yeah. So that reverse psychology thing could be at play. It would be a bold move, but it's definitely a possibility. So it just the, the people at the top of Warner Brothers, it just smacks of David Brent or like Michael Scott vibes, you know, that kind of you can just imagine them sitting there with those crappy um spreadsheets or PowerPoints talking about the male skew and the female skew and that and you know, we we what what do the people want? You know, there were these DC films and these big films we're releasing. 
or you or do they really want unscripted content and stay isn't it? come on i mean there's a place for both of them and hbo max isn't a thing over here yet we're all very much looking forward to it. we were anyway but everyone i've spoken to or heard or you know you as well my man saying that you know hbo max it's probably the strongest of the streaming series simply for its content or, or like it, new and old as well. And, you know, HBO itself was a powerhouse for original content, but it, it just doesn't, you know, none of it really makes an awful lot of sense to me, especially with their goals that they want. And then they also, and there's talk that they want to have a 10 year strategy for the DC EU, similar to Marvel, which, um, which you said to me, like it, you know, was poor form. Was trying to replicate the competitors, and it is spot on. Make your own, make your own thing, and yeah. make it work. And the theatrical side of it, though, I do want to play devil's advocate somewhat here. Whilst I do think the people running it and everything I've heard about it is absolute like, ass, it's bad. The, the switching the priorities to theatrical, though, now that is something I can get behind, but yeah. not at the expense of. You know, what we're seeing now, films that are ready to go being ditched for, you know, very, very flippant reasons. It's It does remind me of uh, what you brought up to send with things like Dune. I know when COVID hit, Warner Brothers just dropped, casually dropped, oh, everything's coming out on HBO next year, including Dune, including this, this and this. And, you know, everyone was like, hold on, what? We didn't make this for HBO. So they've never really, their PR team needs shooting. I think they should, they need to be hung up and fired because they never really seem to get the right message out because the theatrical side of this, I can get behind that streaming has been leading the way for a long time. And now that we're out of this main, you know, the main focus of the pandemic era, I, you know, I'd love to see more of a switch to theatrical, you know, you know me, John, I'm a big star Wars fan. I can't wait to see a star war in the cinema again. I love the streaming shows, but I want to get back to the, get back to the meat and potatoes and get it on the big screen so i don't begrudge warner brothers or whoever wanting to release films that they think are going to make a lot of money in theaters great you know keep let's keep cinemas open yeah but this isn't the way to go about it for me now again i don't know all of the i'm only going by what's out there now but uh, most some of it is official like you said from earnings calls and uh, and things like that but I don't know. I, I I I do think we haven't heard the end of this. I'm I I'm kind of on the train of view that this could be some weird kind of marketing ploy to to raise the interest in Batgirl. So they almost be like, oh, okay then, okay, well we'll just release it then, just for you guys, and then you know it gets maybe twenty percent more people watch, thirty percent more people watching it because of the intrigue. I do don't think we've heard the last of this. Sorry, JB, and I think yeah, the no. film will see the light of day at some point. I just. I just think there needs to be there needs to be another shake up in in HBO and Warner because you know this this regime I don't know what they're playing at but this isn't good news. Yep, let's see what happens, folks. We'll keep our eyes open to the Discovery Plus drama as it continues to unfold. Um, yes, in the sir. meantime, let's check out what we have been consuming. This is media consumption, movies, TV, video games, music, podcasts, etc that we use to pass the time between our recordings, which is a little less than usual, not quite, but a little less. So I, I think both of us have kind of slim consumption list. Um, Matt, what have you been consuming? Uh, I have been only a few things this week, John, uh, in terms of music, I thrown that in having watched Jackass forever the other day. I remembered, I, I used to like CKY back in the day. I, I remember seeing them at in, at the Brixton Academy. 
I know where it was. I remember crowd surfing to one of their songs, and I, ah, it's the first time I did it. So I went back hmm. and started listening to them. I really like, I really like CKY. I always have done. Um, I always used to try and learn their songs on guitar and become pr- fairly proficient because I thought Darren Miller and the and the guys had a real. They had their own sound, signature sound, uh, not just literal guitar tone, but how they, you know, they weren't using a standard chord or standard practice. There was a lot of noodling going on, which I found to be quite uh, creative. So I always used to try and, uh, well, let's just say, if I say duplicate, but copy it, plagiarize that as much as possible because it felt different to me. But so I've been listening to some CKY this week, John. I've also been listening to my buddy Eve. He's a uh, guy from Austria. He's a big Star Wars Sessions fan. He he goes to all of the Star Wars locations, literally every single one in the world he's been to. He's um, And he listens to the show, and he's come to meet us a few times up in London. But he's got his own – he has his own band, and it's kind of a – it's a metal slash uh, – how do I explain it? Like a, they call it like a gothic rock band, but it's alternative metal. There's some – uh alternative stuff in there as well there's uh, a little bit of a little bit of pop punk in there as well it's called lolita complex really good and i'm not just saying it because i know the guy if i didn't like it i wouldn't have said anything but guys bands called lolita complex they're fairly big in europe in terms of mainland europe they're touring quite a lot um and i knew the guy was a rock star but and i listened to the band and his wife is one of the lead singers as well uh, front women I was like, this is really good. I'm really, really enjoying this. So, and I genuinely am. So, Lolita Complex, check that one out, guys. Um, in terms of films, I've seen two films uh, since the last episode, JB. One of them was thanks to the guys at Shudder. They sent me the screener for a film called What Josiah Saw. It stars Robert Patrick from Terminator 2, Nick Style, Kelly Garner. And the synopsis I'm going to read is, it says, after two decades, a damaged farmer, sorry, a damp farmer, a damaged family reunite at their remote farmhouse where they confront long buried secrets and sins of the past. And I thought this film was really quite good. Uh, I really thought this film was good. What Josiah saw, it comes out, I think by the time this episode drops, it will be about four or five days from release but it's i i don't want to say too much about it but it's 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 an unsettling watch it's an uncomfortable watch it's an effective watch it's uh fairly powerful at times as well there's a lot of twists in there but it's you know it's uncompromising and it's quite brutal at times as well but it never loses sight of the fact that it has characters and it wants to put them front and center which most good horror films have that you, you, you've got to prioritize the characters ahead of the, the, the gore and the brutus. But yeah, what Josiah saw a surprisingly good horror film from shudder. So thank you to the guys over there for that. And I have seen the film that came out uh, in the last few days, which you've already seen JB and it is yep. prey from D- on Disney plus prey, the origin story of the predator or the, a, a prequel to predator the uh comanche warriors versus predator this is good you know this is some good sh- stuff on my swarthing this is some good stuff man uh, a man amber mid thunder is great in this yeah, narrow time this had a surprisingly high body count compared to what i thought and some of the things i was a bit uh anxious about going in i.e you know, the predators, this technological, technologically advanced alien species against, you know, a tribe of people with spears and 
you know bows and arrows and how is this going to work but it, it absolutely does the film go, the Dan Trachtenberg and the writers go out of their way to make sure things make sense you know how char- how certain characters can get the upper hand on others they make it make sense and I think it's a really really strong uh, entry into this otherwise quite naff franchise I'm not sold yet where I put it in my franchise rankings is clearly above most of them I, I did like Predators of Adrian Brody I like the, obviously Predator's great. I th- I actually think this is a better film than Predator. I do think this is a better film oh, in man. most most ways. But, wh- but however, I haven't had thirty years to sit on this film to see how it impacts me because Predator is a film I can go and put on whenever and I can enjoy it. You know, it's just even though it's just a big slice of just man, it's like the manliest film I've ever seen. Um, it is. It's a classic of the genre, and I've had plenty of time to marinate it. But I actually think Prey is a better film. Now, does that mean it, I, I would put it higher in my list of all-time films? I don't know about that, but I think technically Prey is the better film. However, uh, I, I will give it time to see how it um, how it marinates with me, how I can absorb it. But I really liked Prey. It surprised me how decent it was, maybe because the bar was so low from the other films. But I liked Prey, and I believe uh, you mentioned it last week, and I'm pretty sure you enjoyed it as well. But what have you been checking out as well? Um, oh, so sorry. That was bad timing. Um, sorry. <laughs> well, just to, uh, Dan Trachtenberg, uh, is the director of Prey to 10 Cloverfield Lane. I, we need more movies from this guy. He's, yeah, he true. seems to be really, really good. And also my biggest criticism about Prey is that it didn't get a theatrical run. Like I cannot imagine why we yes. didn't get this in theaters. Um, again, you and I are both big advocates for that. Yeah, and that is unfortunate because this is a, such a better movie than that. But um, I uh, usually would say I've listened to the Blank Check podcast, but that comes out on Sundays, and we're recording on a Saturday, so I haven't. There's not a new episode for me to listen to yet. So um, instead, I'm going to talk about the movie M U B I podcast. Um, there, I've mentioned, I may have mentioned it last week, but they're doing uh, season two is on um, movie theaters, and this last. Uh, Two weeks ago's episode, which I just listened to this week, um, episode five, is the Dryden Theater's Nitrate Picture Show. Um, they're one of the only theaters that has a like festival with where they only screen film on nitrate, which is there's almost no projectors for this. Nitrate film stock is really, really volatile and thus uh, not easy to travel with. There's, there's so many... Uh, the episode is really insightful to nitrate film and why uh, this festival exists, why this theater still does this. Um, And obviously there's an importance to this theater because it's like the only place you can often, not often even, but that you have the opportunity to see many films in nitrate. Um, Mm -hmm. I am not one of those people who is like a major, like I want to see the 35 millimeter print. I'm like, ah, show me the digital. But listening to this episode made me maybe reevaluate that. Maybe there's something I'm missing by not seeking out the original method in which the film was designed to be shown that seeing like a digital version of it is a facsimile of the original presentation and it can um, alter the experience. And that's, you know, kind of cool to, to be aware of. Uh, So I found the episode to be, I've actually really enjoyed season two. I haven't listened to season one at all. Um, Season two caught my attention because I like this, uh, I love theaters. So hearing about these like iconic theaters and what they did for both film history and also for 
people has been really, really compelling. And then this particular episode I thought was exceptional. So if you haven't listened to it and you like movies like we do, I really, really recommend the movie podcast, especially season two. Um, movie wise, I've only watched two this week cause I am back at work. Something we'll talk about here in just a second. Um, but, uh, in preparation for the new blank check series, because they just finished the Bob Fosse series, they're jumping right into Stanley Kubrick, uh, who won the, uh, March madness, uh, fan poll every March they do like a bracket and the fans vote, uh, for which matchup they want. And the winner gets a series and this year, Stanley Kubrick won, um, so for me, that's really cool because I've seen most of Kubrick's films, but there's a couple of gaps. The two big gaps for me, uh, I will be watching here soon is Spartacus. Mm-hmm. And that one's a gap because it's long. Um, it's really long. And then uh, Barry Lyndon, the period piece that Kubrick yes. did, which why I haven't watched it. Cause I'm not often a big proponent for period pieces like this, this type of period piece. Um, so those two movies are the two like big Kubrick films I have not seen. I didn't even know about the two that I just watched, uh, but they're doing a double episode because they're both short. Um, Killer's Kiss is available on Amazon Prime, and that uh, no, I'm sorry, that one is available. You can rent it on Prime, but it's um, available for free with commercials on like Pluto TV or Tubi TV. So I watch it on Pluto actually. And then uh, Fear and Desire is on Prime with a subscription, free to watch. Um, both are like sixty minutes. Um, so just barely a feature film. That's why they're doing both movies on uh, the episode. Uh, Killer's Kiss is a very clear predecessor to, um, oh, The Killing is Kubrick's first, like, actual, like, feature proper, um, which I've seen already. Uh, Corey and I actually did that on Movie Club a couple years ago. We did a few Kubrick films, including Lolita and, um, I forget the other one that we did for the, the podcast, but, um, I really like the killing. Uh, that's his most like noir film. And it's, it's kind of the most straightforward of Kubrick's films, in my opinion, like compared to some of the other stuff where he's very, you know, satirical, very deep and introspective. Um, these two films are rough to say the least. Like they definitely have like a student film vibe, like uh, visually. Um, I don't know if uh, fear and desire, if it was colorized after the filming or if is um, utilizing like early, like chroma key technology, but there is, some very unsettling edges to the characters where like they're either chroma keyed and like all the background is green screen or they've been colorized after the print and the print that Amazon prime has is just real bad. I'm not sure what it is, but it, it's visibly like upsetting at times. Cause it's like the colors, like his <laughs> ear isn't colored, but like everything else is colored. And it's just like weird stuff like that, where I'm like, I don't know what I'm looking at for a Kubrick film, but um, at the same time, I found both uh, to be really cool to check out, to watch. Um, Fear and Desire, I would say, is going to kind of align with um, Kubrick's anti-war content from Dr. Strangelove and uh, Full Metal Jacket. It's it's definitely got some of that vibe to it. Um, some upsetting scenes, for sure, but that is the point. Like, he's making a point, even in these early films. Um, Killer's Kiss definitely has a noir-esque vibe. There's a very clear kind of femme fatale character. Um, I enjoyed that one a little more cause I am, I like noir a lot. So I like you know, getting Kubrick's kind of take on the genre. Uh, but, uh, those, that's really all I've seen. Um, I, I'm up to date with what we do in the shadows on, uh, season four, I think it is or five. Um, so I'm up to date with that. And, uh, oh, actually I forgot. I did watch, um, I, I needed a comfort movie yesterday. 
because we got some sad news about a coworker who's uh, stepping away from our school. And so I was like, man, I need something upbeat and happy. So I watched that thing you do for like the millionth time. I've seen that movie so many times. Um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that particular film. And uh, I needed something like that. And it was, it was a good watch again, as it always is. I, I forgot I watched it until just now, but that's all I've seen. Um, are you a fan of that thing you do, Matt? Um, well, that's a very personal question, JB, but, um, <laughs> do you know what? I'm not sure I am JB. And there's a, there's a very, uh, good reason for that. I haven't seen it. Really? I haven't seen Man. it. No, it's it's on. It's if if there if there was an actual physical list, this would want this would be one that would be on it. I mean, it's for. I mean, it's it, it, it's a musical, which is something which I'd enjoy and a comedy. Uh, Plus, who's in it? Uh, it it's it. not a musical in the sense of a traditional musical, though. It is more like a line with Sing Street, where all the songs are in context of the band playing the songs. Um, I I, I adore this film. Uh, so much um it is uh it, it's just so much fun um i really like the music in it it is set it, at it's like post it's not post beatles like the beatles are still supposed to be relevant when th- this band gets going but it is like a side telling of the beatles like it's the beatles have already like done the ed sullivan show and stuff in the yeah, timing yeah. of the film um but it is a fictional band called the wonders uh the music's really solid tom hanks is fantastic as the band's manager um, just it's, it's a, a film that I have seen way too many times. Like I, I frequently quote lines from it and people don't know that's what I'm quoting, uh, a listener to our show and a good friend of mine, um, also a huge fan of this film. So it's always fun. Um, yeah, dude, uh, I, I, I encourage you to seek this out if you can, cause it's such a good watch. I, I will do. I'm going to have a look on uh, to see where I can find this film. But no, it, 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 obviously I've I've heard of the film, but uh, but I've no, just never got around to seeing it. And I don't know why, because you know I like Tom Hanks. It's kind of which is not exactly a hot take, by the way. I think like, Tom Hanks is pretty cool. Tom Hanks is great, and this is on Disney Plus actually, so uh, oh. it's an easy film to watch. It's certain in the UK it is anyway. I've just checked, and it's available on Disney Plus for the price of more nothing other than my subscription. So. Um, expect me to watch that within the next few weeks then JB. I hope so. I hope so. And I hope you like, I hope you like it. I don't feel bad sure, if you watch it and you're like, this is, this is crap. Um, it looks and sounds good enough. Way. I think I'm going to have fun with this. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I keep forgetting. I'm like the actor's names aren't coming. Steve Zahn is, it's one of my favorite Zahn performances, but I, I've always have kind of liked his comedy, uh, early Ethan Embry, um, mm-hmm. before Tyler's he starts getting, Liv Tyler is, I think excellent in this. I think it's one of her best movies. And then um, the main guy is the, I always forget his name. Cause he's not, he, he had this movie. Then he does the American werewolf in Paris that gets, you know, really hate, not good. Oh, um, um, but there was a, a minute where everyone thought he was going to be like a, the next big thing. And then he drops severely, but he is in La La Land um, at the end of the film. He is uh, Emma Stone's, new new boo um new, if you will boo, yeah. who is this what's the guy's name i always forget his name i can never remember his name because C- again he like he's not in a lot of uh, stuff he's uh, in like tom those scott. movies yeah yeah tom scott but i think his name is something like that that sounds right but anywho check out that thing you do i've watched it again um that's pretty much it for this episode folks except before we go we must check in with each other to make sure we're doing everything in our power to stay bloody awesome matt what do you got going on? Uh, well, I am currently getting ready for vacay, 
JB. Um, that's why we're doing this thing a little bit early. John was very kind to accommodate my uh, request to record early because next week going away with well all of my family, with my daughter obviously with him, my mum and dad are coming along, my brother, his partner, my sister, her bro- my brother-in-law, kids, we're going to go down to a lovely part of the country called Cornwall, which sounds very British, but it, at times it might as well be in the Mediterranean, some pl- some of the places down there. It's a uh, very, very beautiful part of the country. So we're going to go down there for just sort of five days from Monday to Friday, but it'd be nice to have firstly some time off work, um, secondly to have some time with the family and have some fun. It's a little while away, about a six hour drive, but it'll be fine. I'm sure when you get there. And then after that, I've got another week off just to spend with Olivia, have a chill out time. So two weeks off work, a little bit of vacation time. And at least one of them is going to be actually away and doing things that are enjoyable that aren't in the vicinity of where I am now. So looking forward to that, JB. So I'm getting ready for a little vacay. How have you, how have you been staying bloody awesome? Um, I'm getting ready to end my vacay. Uh, ah. The opposite of you. Um, to be fair, I guess I've had, uh, a lot more time than you will get however my time has been mostly just at home because vacation isn't the right word it's like time off of work um yeah. but we are in full swing getting back uh, officially after we're recording this on saturday i will be with students on wednesday this week but i do i've been at work all week last week i got to meet some of my new students on thursday night we had orientation where um the mm-hmm. freshmen and or new to the school can come and get their schedule and walk around and meet their teachers. Um, we ask that returning students, they don't need to do all that. They've been here. So just, you know, yeah. get your schedule and go. But so I met, <laughs> I met several, um, several students that are excited. I had one kid who is not currently uh, on my, in, in my classes, but he wants to be a director. And when he found out my class existed was like, came and met me and was just like, how do I get in your class? I'm like, well, I think my classes are full right now. Let me see what I can do. So I'm trying to make sure he ends up, if not this year, definitely next year he needs to be in that's my program because cool. that's what I'm excited. I love seeing someone excited about film. Um, this is also my first year teaching IB film, uh, yep. which is the, it's a big step up for me. And um, I'm so grateful for my colleague who has taught it for many years, who has been so supportive and uh, willing to give me, uh, you know, her lessons and her advice with taking over this program. That means uh, it's the first time where what I'm doing is really going to be evaluated by outside sources. Um, because like, you know, I'm an elective. So like, I don't have state testing and things like that, but IB film gets uh, the assessments get sent off to the IB board. And so it's a lot of pressure um, in that way. Like, like I feel like I do a good job, but now people are going to be like, let's see how good of a job you do with teaching film. And I'm like, Oh, um, okay. I think I do well. Let's hope I am up to your standards. So it's a we little more nerve wracking than normal. Everyone listening I know I have can the passion for me. your film passion, your film knowledge, your enthusiasm, and uh, all of the stories that you've said about what you get from teaching and what you're teaching the students. And obviously the onus is on them to actually go and do the work, but you know, the stuff that sounds like it's been set for the last four years or five years I've heard about sounds great, you know? So, and, and some of the samples that um, I've been able to kind of cast an eye over all look good to me, JB, but I know what you mean. Obviously the yeah. added pressure of somebody else critiquing you is never nice. Even if it is, meant to be for the right reasons it does come with that added well, pressure i understand and especially it, it the the biggest downside is if if 
my the critique is on my students' work. So like they suffer, and then I also suffer. You know what I'm saying? Like if if yeah, they yeah. don't pass, then it's bad for them and for me, and that makes it even more like stressful. Like if it were just me, it's like well, oh well, my students are still good, and the only way if I'm if I've done something wrong it will show in their work. And that's, what's like concerning is I don't want to let them down. So, but again, I, I, I have confidence. And again, I have great support from the person who's done it for a long time. And that's a luxury. Not everyone gets when you take over a position from someone else. A lot of times it's because they have left. Um, it was passed on to me and sh- she's still a teaching. She's still one of our best teachers. And the fact that uh, she's right next door, basically, if I have questions and she's more than willing to answer those questions is is uh, a little bit of a weight off my shoulders otherwise. So I'm grateful for that. And, uh, you know, I'm ready. To, I'm ready to jump in. Um, it's always a little stressful at the beginning of the year, but uh, I'm always looking forward to, to working with my students and seeing what they what they bring to the table and figuring out what movies I'm going to show them is always a lot of fun and stress. Yeah. Cause I only get to show so many and there's so many ones I want to show, you know, I want to show them all the good movies. Uh, and I only have a little, you know, a couple of years with them. Um, but that's it for this episode folks. Uh, it looks like finally almost, uh, three weeks after it's released here in the States, we're going to get to talk about Jordan Peele's Nope. Um, I cannot wait to talk about Nope with you, Matt, because I, uh, actually, I, you might be a reason I finally sneak off and see it for a third time because uh, it's nice. been a couple of weeks since I last saw it. Um, we had planned on doing this episode a couple of weeks ago, and we still don't know why, but uh, the UK delayed the release of Nope for two weeks. Um, so Matt hasn't been able to see it, but can now. Yes, I can confirm in- inexplicably as well, because I'm you know, genuinely a decent relationship with Universal in the UK, but there was no word as to why it was it was canned and they did have a um uh, a press screening but it was mainly for the for the very big wigs um but th- I, I couldn't make it anyway because of the date but i can confirm john i have my ticket i've i've got it booked it's ready i've got my seat by the time we go to record uh, for the next show i will have seen it and who knows maybe i i would have seen it twice i hope it's so good i want to go and watch it again immediately well, let's see what happens. We're excited to talk about it. That will be uh, our normal release schedule. It won't, listeners, you are not going to be affected by this at all. For us, it's a while before we record again, but that's okay. Um, Matt, enjoy your vacation, sir. In the meantime, listeners, we'd love to hear from you. You can hit us up on social media. On Instagram, we're at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. And Matt, where can they find us on Twitter? At BAMP underscore podcast. B-A-M-P underscore podcast. That's right. Grandpa podcast is where we are at. Um, uh, Facebook, bloody awesome movie podcast. Individually, you can find me at burkreviews.com and at burkreviews on all the social media platforms. Matt, where can they find you? You can find me what I watch tonight.co.uk. Uh, what I watched across, uh, what I watched tonight across all the socials, including letterboxd. And you can find me wishing John Burke a very happy birthday for this weekend. Thank you, sir. I, I do appreciate it. Um, with that, Uh, We encourage you to keep watching movies and stay bloody awesome. (laughs) 
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Blood, 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 bloody, blood, 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 blood